0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Presented by T-Mobile, the
1: official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.
2: Win right now. A four-pack of tickets to Monster Jam 2024 at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. It's February 16th through the 18th. Here's how you do it. Enter the word TRACK, T-R-A-C-K, TRACK, by the end of our show at 923thefan.com, and you'll get registered to win. Again, Monster Jam 2024, Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse, coming up in a couple of weeks here, week in a couple of days, actually. Monster Jam. TRACK by the end of our show at 923thefan.com.
3: So here's the headline, NEO Blog. Browns owners buying 176 acres in Brook Park. What does that mean? Where will the Browns play? And it probably, you know, if the Browns do end up with 100% purchasing this site, um, it's basically across the street from the airport. If you look at it on the map, it's like you can see the airport is just on the other side of, uh, what is that, 260, what is that called? 237? 237, sorry. I'm an east sider, so you got to give me a little. Little credit, two thirty-seven. It's as I like well, to call because it because you
2: got the two correct. Yeah, I got the it's two. Not it. like you've been flying out of some other airport your whole life.
3: Well, you know, <laughs> there is a there is that great Kent State Airport that is absolutely gorgeous,
2: so. right there on uh, Route fifty-nine. There we go. Look at us just rattling off. Right down names. from where I used to live on Shearing Cross Drive.
3: Yeah, That's, uh, there's,
2: I'll keep
3: my Kent State stories to myself. Okay, so let me. We I want to read. That. I want to read part of the story because, you know, and I'll give you the headline again. The Browns owners buying 176 acres in Brook Park. The owners of the Cleveland Browns football team have reportedly purchased, uh, have reached a purchase agreement to acquire a large piece of land in the Cleveland suburb of Brook Park, leading to speculation the Browns could leave the city of Cleveland for the second time in the team's 78-year history. Okay. Leaving Cleveland? Yeah. Here's the line that I I, really, sound, I want your
2: opinion. It doesn't sound right to me.
3: I'll tell you if you think this is... You tell me. You ready? In the piece, it says, No one is scrambling... And this is Ken Pendergrass who wrote this. To respond to any purchase agreement, a source said, he he assured NEO Trans that city officials want to keep the Browns in Cleveland. Now, he, here's where I just don't... I'm not buying. He says... Losing the team again, even to a suburb, would be an emotional issue for Cleveland residents and a loss of prestige for the city, regardless of any positive or negative fiscal impact on the city. What do you think? What do you think of that?
2: Um, I I think that's hogwash.
3: The next line says, interestingly enough, uh, 12 of the 32 NFL teams already play their home games in suburban municipalities. The number would go to thirteen if the Bears follow through with their move from downtown to Arlington Heights.
2: Look, I, I know the city has, you know, limits, right? There's a here's the, here's yeah. the city limit, okay? Yeah. Aren't we a region? I think it, we isn't are. this whole thing a region? Yeah. Did anybody dislike the Cavaliers when they were playing in Richfield?
3: I'm sure there were people that weren't happy. Really? Uh, there were people from Akron that weren't happy when the team moved back
2: downtown. True? Uh, I would agree with that. Yeah. And there were other people who were thrilled. To get the Coliseum out of there, it was just kind of a weird spot. Sure, but because there was no but, development but, but, around, but it was either. still your team, wasn't it? Yeah, It was still your still NBA the Cleveland team. Cavaliers. They never and became there, the Richfield Cavaliers. I agree. So um, that the, and that's no disrespect to uh, the, the the writing of that story or anything. If you move nine miles out of town toward the airport, you're, you're it's not like you, you may be moving out of the city of Cleveland. You're not abandoning the Cleveland market, you're you're right here. So to compare it to the move to Baltimore is uh, ludicrous.
3: I also think that if there's one team that could move to the suburb with the, I don't know, I don't want to say the least amount of impact, but if the mm-hmm. Guardians or the Cavaliers move, because of the number of home dates Bingo. they have, I think there's a major difference here. Correct. You know, you're talking about, you know, 12 dates. But then you're also, you know, like we've always said, the problem and with the stadium now is that we don't use it. We don't use it enough. You know, 365 days a year and you know, if you're lucky nine home games now. I'll even give you the preseason games. Let's take it to 11. Max. You know, and so and with a family fun night too if you want However, to throw that in there.
2: If you have 176 acres, you have an airport right there. And you have public transportation right there, and you have on-site parking, and you put a roof that can open up on that building. All of a sudden, you have more than 12 days, Andy. You do. And maybe you have, I mean, there's always
3: talk about a soccer team coming to town, too. I don't know if you can put a soccer team. You you can host the Super Bowl. You know what I've been saying for the last couple weeks that drives me nuts is that we are the only city in the NFL that has absolutely had nothing to do other than players from the city of Cleveland.
2: What what do you think about the NCAA Final Four?
3: I would love it. Do you like that event? Yes, we do a fantastic job with the women when they come to town, but they play downtown. And they'll be here. Mm -hmm. Look, it just – How about a bowl game? How about a meaningless bowl game? How would you like that? The Cleveland meaningless bowl game. I'd be okay with that too.
2: Other than the addition of a franchise or the subtraction of a franchise this would be the biggest thing to happen to our sports market in decades. Maybe ever. Since moving down. Maybe since, ever. Well, since
3: Jacobs Field and, and Gundarina.
2: Exactly. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you that. That, that was huge because it, it, changed, it changed the city. It also changed our franchises. So,
3: so here's my two questions for you. One, do you like this idea? Would you be down with the Browns moving out to Brook Park? Because it seems like today we have noticed that there is a giant step towards that.
2: And two, sure looks that way. Is it an
3: emotional Mm -hmm. issue? Here in the piece, it says it would be an emotional issue for Cleveland residents and a loss of prestige for the city, regardless of any positive or negative fiscal impact on the city. You'd have to, I mean, they would have to put more hotels out there, right? You would think you would have the addition of that.
2: Oh, you would would think so. I mean, there are hotels out there. But keep in mind, the whole 71 corridor, 480, 71, I mean, there's so much stuff that you could put in there if you needed to. And and there are plenty of hotels out there now. And it's a nine-mile ride from downtown Cleveland. Yeah, I
3: also don't think that if you were looking for high-end hotel, you're still coming downtown to stay. And you know what? You still don't need to go outside if you want to if you want to hop on the rapid from the terminal. I just think there are some there are some elements to this that are okay. And it would also give the city back the option to finally develop the land where the stadium is. You just can't go anywhere with that thing. And if you want to – I still think the airport's the biggest waste of space of all time, not our airport, Hopkins, Burke. I just look at Burke all the time, with the exception of maybe keeping your fingers crossed that we might get a NASCAR race in there at some point. I, I don't – I, it just doesn't seem like a very, I don't know. Indeed. I look at that airport, it doesn't seem very logical to me.
2: Again, we've, that space we, is gorgeous. I've always heard i have always heard stories about national defense. Reasons. Yeah, I'm not the, buying that. I, well, I don't, I don't know. It's what I've always heard. I, I don't know if that's true or not. Uh, regardless, it's been there all of our lifetimes and probably isn't going away anytime soon. I
3: don't know, so give me your thoughts on this. Uh, the emotional issue for Cleveland residents, I guess if you live in the city of Cleveland, maybe there are some, that maybe that is a legitimate line. Like you might be, oh, I can't believe we're losing the Browns to the suburbs. I, I just don't, uh, Brook Park to me doesn't feel like, uh, I don't know, It doesn't feel like they're moving to Newberry, right? That doesn't feel the same as that. Robert is in Braxville, you've been hanging on the line. What do you think, Robert?
4: Uh, pros and cons to both of it. Before going to, so I'm going to reference SoFi in this. So before going to SoFi Stadium for the first time, I was against it because of just the whole idea of keeping it downtown and you know, the rapid access, all the hotels are already there. The parking garage is already there. And if you put it by where the uh, Port of Cleveland is, you already have the rapid line. So it's not going to be that much effort to put another stop right at that little curve that wraps around and starts going east right by Offward Learner Way. After going to SoFi and seeing the way SoFi has it set up. I actually like the idea of the airport, and you brought this up, Baskin, during the jump start, and I think Phelps, you joked around about it, too, and then you brought it up again about a minute before he went to my phone call, and I hope Todd is on hold or is listening and calls in, because I'm curious to see what he thinks about it, because I think he'll agree with this logic. With the red line right there at the airport, it's not going to require that much civil engineering to have the red line extended to loop around back underneath the new stadium if that is where it's going. And again, you, and so you already have closer access to the lines of having to go directly back to the airport. And with what SoFi had it set up, again, you already have, you'll have the tailgating right there. And the interesting thing that I thought about before seeing the way SoFi has it set up is you have it right next to a bunch of residential apart- your houses, apartments, streets and everything and what that's doing is a potential congestion so far has it fixed and sort of it's helping out the residents because what i saw when i was driving right next to the stadium residents were actually selling spots in their driveway
3: for yeah they do that green, they, green bay does that too there's a lot of play yeah. oh, there's a lot of college towns that yeah. have that going on too so, all right robert i gotta get to break i'm sorry man you. wrap thank, it up thank you all
2: right, thanks Robert. They do that Appreciate. in Canton at the Hall of Fame too.
3: Yeah, uh although a lot of those houses have been uh the Hall of Fame has expanded. So, a lot of those houses that were doing parking before don't they're not there anymore. They got rid of them. It's a shame. Um I don't I don't know. The Hall of Fame looks pretty good right now. As long as those people got taken care of.
2: There you go. Baby. I
3: mean, that's all that matters. All right, phone lines are packed. They so want I want to know what you people, think. Andy 216-474-0092. 216-474-0092 if you can't get through, hit us up on X at CLE Talking heads, uh, the line, would it be an emotional issue for Cleveland residents and a loss of prestige for the city, regardless of positive or negative fiscal impact on the city if the team did move to Brook Park? Or just what do you think of this? I Man, I see a lot more in the good column than I do in the
5: bad. Baskin and Phelps, 92-3, the fan. I mean, Jeff. We, we sit here in every break, and now we talk about you know potential
3: development and, and all kinds of things that could be good for the region if they do make this. If the Browns move out there, um, I I don't, I don't see you know the other than the fact that you're walking away from some of the tradition of being downtown. Uh, you know, I, I just don't, I don't, I don't see a whole lot of reason to be on the lakefront and this spot. You know, as far as getting to, whether even if you're, you know, if you live in downtown Cleveland, it's, it's close to a, you know, think about all the west side, uh, the, the folks that live in Cleveland on the west side. It's so much easier, I would think, to get to Brook Park than it is even sometimes. I, the, like, to me, the ultimate, like, what are we doing is that it's so hard to get into the stadium if you are a little bit late. After 11 is a little bit late. There's only one road that gets you to the stadium. One. And, you know, you got to come in in front of the airport on North Marginal Road. That's it. And it's just like, think about how backwards things some of the things we have are down there.
2: And you're trying to cram everybody into one little spot that is landlocked or waterlocked, waterlocked by a lake. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's, you know, it's all part of our history. If you can get past the it's our history to have a stadium on the lake, there's no reason to have a stadium on the lake. And the worst thing, I think, if you I've heard about lakefront development since I'm old enough to remember the you know words lakefront development. Right. I haven't seen it. Have you? No. No
3: well what, the Rock I, Roll Hall of Fame is about the only thing that area right there in is the, the science only, center.
2: Boinovich Park over there. Yeah. Okay. And that's such a minute portion of the lakefront, it's ridiculous. And what's keeping you from adding on to that? A stadium that you use twelve times a year.
3: I don't know. I look about the way they want to redo Look, the stadium's going to need help anyways. You're talking about a billion dollars going into the stadium no matter what. Why
2: would you put a billion dollars into that into that stadium? Hey, and, we talk and there's about... nothing wrong with it to watch a football game, Andy. Nothing wrong with it to go watch a football game. It's a perfect place to watch a football game. But if you want it to be more than that, why would you put a billion dollars in there? Go build something else somewhere else and redevelop all kinds of things and make it the type of facility <laughs> that can really benefit the region
3: we also respect the fact that not everyone's going to agree with us john's in eastlake hi john
6: hey guys how hey. are you good how are you hi, john well you know uh look as a business owner downtown mm-hmm. uh, i i could say the whole concept of if uh i don't know where cleveland city council is or or you know, uh, Cleveland Now and all these organizations, how they would feel about abandoning downtown. I would ask Mr. Holt, uh, Haslam, please don't be Art Model Jr. You're if kidding, you right? Build... Move,
3: moving to Brook Park would make him Art Model Jr. Well, I totally disagree. Uh, it, it... John, what's your business downtown?
6: Well, uh, 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 it's it's not the restaurant business. but Okay, so how much, the people how much money
3: – I, mean, I I don't want to know how much money you make. How much business do you do on a game day Sunday? Do you do a lot or no?
6: Okay, well, we aren't open on Sunday, but I'm at the games. Okay. And I go to the restaurants in the warehouse district and all over that area. And you're right that it is, the stadium is in the wrong place. They had to put it in that footprint of the old stadium because the team was coming back. But look at, look at where everybody's going to Las Vegas and that great stadium they have there. Yeah. Build something like that, but don't build it in Brook Park by the auto plant. So where, would, are you you, name it? where would you build it? Uh, that would be something for uh, Cleveland City Council and, and, and the county. Uh, Gateway is not in Brook Park. The the India the the Guardians and and Cavs are not in Brook Park. When the
2: so you're saying in, that
3: maybe Gateway would need less money then if they didn't have to worry about and uh, although Gateway's part of the county though isn't it Jeff?
2: I do believe. Well, it yes. is. Yeah. So if
3: it's part but, of the county, why wouldn't why, I mean, why wouldn't that be a part of
6: Brook Park? Well, look at Gateway did to that part of the city, Prospect sure. Avenue was right. a dump. Oh. Now there's plenty of room. Uh, other than looking at the, uh, the lakefront, and they don't want to get rid of Burke Lakefront Airport, there's plenty of room to put a stadium like they have in Las Vegas if you want to spend billions of dollars. Yeah, I can tell right you the there. best
3: the best place to put that, right by the airport.
6: <laughs> Thanks, John.
3: Appreciate it. I understand what he's saying. I just don't think – I mean, here's someone who's talking about taking away stuff on Sundays. I the, the, Again, I think the most important thing about downtown for us – is the Guardians and the Cavaliers because of the number of dates that they fill the stadium and fill the arena. Well,
2: and on top of on top of the Guardians excuse me, on top of the Cavaliers playing at Gateway, you've got about three hundred events a year at Rocket Morey Shield House. And ar- yes. an arena is the that's the centerpiece. A baseball stadium is nice. A football stadium is, is you know it's there are so few dates it's ridiculous. One thought about downtown. Mm-hmm and and you mentioned it in the break you you talked about opportunity corridor yeah I, I went out to a concert at severance a week or 3 ago and it it was the f- attending a conference as, or a concert is a ding just keep going cuz i, I want to get there's there's so much space on opportunity corridor it, it, it's a it's a beautiful stretch it looks like it's a really great idea there's so much land out there that looks like, boy, could this, could this use something? Only issue is you'd have to buy up all that land and it would be really expensive. And then you'd have to do more to get people in and out of there.
3: I don't know. The clinic seems to uh, uh doing a nice job of kind of bringing the opportunity corridor the stuff that's on, the, but there's like a lot of space circle, between kind of, yeah. all
2: that and 77. Yeah. I don't know. You to know, me, so, I mean, there, there are spots downtown, but you'd have to acquire all of that land or in the city proper. And you'd have to acquire all that land You've got a parcel sitting out there that needs development, right. and it's next to an airport. Right. Uh, that's about to get a lot of money spent
3: on it, too. Hello. Uh, let me keep going. I, I do want to get to as many phone calls as I can here, especially because we have Nick Costos coming up at 11. Jeff is in Strongsville. Go ahead, Jeff.
7: You know what, guys? I, I think it's ludicrous to think that moving it to Brook Park, yes, it's going to affect the businesses around you know, and near the stadium, and that's obviously an unfortunate part of having to do this, but if they're gonna build a dome and they're gonna build it in in Brook Park, most people aren't gonna have an issue with and I think most, like you said Andy, are gonna actually relish in the fact that getting in and out is going to be so much easier. Nobody's ever said that Nassau is is not in Cleveland and that it's in Brook Park or that the airport itself is in brook park and not in cleveland it's not brook park international airport right so at the end of the day you know there's there's going to be fallout for the businesses but as long as they build a dome nobody's going to care
3: i totally agree jeff yeah it's not like we're talking about the
2: orchard park bills are we and andy but it's but it's fallout for the businesses 12 days a year and many of them aren't open on sundays anyway yeah, I mean, we're talking about bars and restaurants downtown. That's okay. really the, the that's big thing. that's 12 days a year. I, I get it. What if you develop the lakefront and you bring people downtown, oh, another 150 days a year? Is, is that better I, for bars I, I look and restaurants? At, I look are you, you going to go 12 or are you going to go 150? I look at the plan
3: with the land bridge and I just think, God, this looks so stupid. The land bridge idea is not doesn't look very the Well, the it's idea
2: of sinking weird. all of that money into the stadium is what I just think is not a good idea. Yeah,
3: Jason's in East Cleveland. Hi, Jason. Hey, what's up, guys? Shaw High 91. Shaw High. you doing? Oh, I don't know. I might it's get in not, trouble. It's not it the doesn't same sound thing. The right. no. My mom went to Shaw. <laughs> hey, Jason, my mom went to Shaw, so I got a little love for you. Keep going.
8: Oh, really awesome, yeah. awesome. So I'm I'm torn on it, but I know at the end of the day, the city of Cleveland has been very passive with trying to move the stadium forward. And just certain things, like just the fact that we have the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony. We have this stadium sitting there all summer that they could be literally using for a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame summer concert series. So, like, I would hate to see the stadium go. Like, I took my wife to her first Browns game this year. We went to the game where they played Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. And she was like, I get it. I understand why you guys love this team so much. And it was because of the atmosphere. But, of course, when we left... She was like, this is a hassle getting in and out of here, you know, so just those things alone. And I think the stadium could theoretically still be downtown, but the city just does not seem to have any interest in moving the stadium forward, just like the egress and all that they've sat for years. And we've known these problems existed because municipal was in the same spot. So for me, yeah, if it goes out to Brook Park, I totally get it. There's more opportunity there. But I'm still like the the opportunity corridor area. I, I think that could be a viable place as well. That Jason, I think, in
3: the yeah, City of Cleveland. Jason, I agree with you. Opportunity corridor has been one of the best things that this region has done in a long, long time, and extremely forward-thinking.
2: On its way to being a really big thing. Yeah, it's still in its like embryonic stage. Andy.
3: All right, we got a lot more to go. I know you want to talk about this. We are going to talk about it throughout the show. We are going to come back. Nick Costos, our Odyssey Sports betting insider, is going to join us. Uh, plus, Daryl Ryder, who's been all over the story, is going to join us at noon.
5: Baskin and Phelps, 92.3 The Fan.
9: I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me.
5: Oh, does it get any
3: better than the Super Bowl in Vegas for our friend Nick Costos? Nick, how are you? Oops, sorry. My bad. You're awesome? Good. Sorry, I missed the beginning of your phone. Hey, Nick. Hey, Nick.
10: going to be honest, Live here from uh, beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada, where it's uh, 8 a.m., and uh, I think the mutants have, have have mostly made it back from their night out last night, so I think we're we're starting to like uh to ease into the day here on a Thursday.
3: Wait, I thought 8 a.m. was closing time.
10: <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, maybe I I think closing time was maybe like an hour ago, based on what I saw down on the casino floor about an hour ago, and I was getting my uh getting my coffee and like my and my breakfast.
3: Very nice, uh, Nick. I'll, I just again, I know we kind of talked about it for a minute last week, but now you're in it. How surreal is it that the Super Bowl is in Vegas? A place that we never yeah. thought that these two, that there would be a marriage of gambling in the NFL just, I don't know, five, ten years ago.
10: Yeah, it's pretty awesome. And look, like, I, I've been to, like, not a brag. Like, I, I used to work for, for Sirius XM NFL Radio. I worked there for a decade. So, like, I, I've i been to, like, a lot of these Super Bowls. Um, and I think the great thing about Vegas as far as the host city for a Super Bowl, like, like, last year in Arizona, everything was so, like, widely spread out in, uh, in Glendale and Phoenix, Arizona whereas everything here is on the Strip. Now it makes it, obviously, everything's really packed and, like, everything's really crowded. For example, like, we walked back to our hotel after the show last night at Radio Row because traffic was so insane. But with that being said, it's like everything's packed into this one little area. The energy is crazy around town right now. Everywhere you go, you can kind of feel it. It's palpable. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's very cool, and I definitely never thought that we would see this. I, I got one professional sporting team, much less, like, several, and a Super Bowl here in Vegas.
2: Having covered other Super Bowls, does it have a different feel because it's Vegas? I mean, is it is it a significant difference, Nick?
10: Yes, because um because like when I go to my hotel like in uh in Indianapolis, I, I can't sit down and play blackjack before I go up to my room. <laughs> I could say like I would say say that is that is the main difference, is that you can gamble everywhere here, obviously, which is uh, which is cool. And look, like it's a business trip for me, like I'm staying on East Coast time, I'm working. Uh it would be a different story if I were here with my friends. But yeah, that that is the main difference.
3: All right, Nick. Let's talk about the game. Hop right into it. What do you think about the game in general?
10: I think it's a, I think it's a really, really, really tough game to handicap. I think out of any of the matchups, guys, that we could have potentially seen in the Super Bowl from Championship Sunday, I actually think it's the worst betting game. Um, hmm. I would have had stronger betting thoughts on either of uh, any of the other matchups, like Chiefs Lions. I would have bet Kansas city with a lot of confidence Ravens lions. I would have bet Baltimore with a lot of confidence and then Niners Ravens. I would have bet San Francisco with a lot of confidence based on like Baltimore would have been favored in the game. I would have disagreed. I would have bet, I would have bet San Francisco, but I do think that this is going to be like the best actual game. Like I think the game is going to be magnificent on Sunday. And I think it's, I think it's really tough. So the way that I'm choosing to handicap this game and I'll kind of break it down like this. Um, I don't know if you guys ever watched the television show lost, um, Great show for a couple seasons before it went way off the rails, but they did this kind of like this trope, the storyline with two of the main characters where one was a man of science and one was a man of faith. Like one chose to believe in things that were like based in evidence and the other believed in like had like had, had, had blind faith in things happening. Right. So I think if you are like more of a scientific mind, doesn't mean like you're a scientist, but that's kind of more how you think. I think it leads you to like the 49ers in the game. San Francisco is better than Kansas city. Like the, the Niners as a whole are a better team than the, than the Kansas city chiefs. And they've been power rated better than Kansas city all season. Like, like they should probably be like a three point favorite in this game. They, they never will be. So that would be like the man of science approach man of faith would be okay, great. San Francisco is better. They'll be able to run the ball likely on the chiefs, the entire game. But I get like the greatest football player of all time. And I'm just going to trust in him at the end to win the game. And Kansas City has the better quarterback. I think they have the better coach. I think I I like Reed better than Kyle Shanahan. And Kansas City definitely has the better defense. So it's kind of like, which do you choose? Do you choose what you've seen all season, which is San Francisco be better? Or do you just roll the dice with the best quarterback ever and and like a Hall of Fame head coach? Which, by the way, you would have printed money doing that on the Patriots with Brady and Belichick for two decades. So I'm going to choose to back Kansas City in this game, but I don't want to like paint this like I think it's great betting opportunity. And just to provide a little context to what I mean, if this game were on like 1 o'clock on Sunday with like eight other games on at the same time, I may not even bet it because I would probably like a lot of the other games better. But since it's the Super Bowl, obviously we'll have a ton of action. So I'll be on the Chiefs coming up on Sunday.
2: Do you think there's more action because of the toughness of this bet is it going to bring more money because people are going to be all over the place on that, Nick?
10: Uh, no, I think it's just like the Super Bowl, and everyone wants to bet on the okay. Super Bowl. Right. Um, yeah, and listen, and look, like I-, I can think this that the game's really tough to predict. Someone out there listening could say, "Well, well hey, hey, idiot, San Francisco's going to kill them," or "Hey, moron, like why aren't you more confident in Kansas City?" And then like one of those people is going to feel really smart when the game ends and think like I was right, like. It's just my opinion. Like, I, I think it's – I always want to be honest with you guys. Like, last year, I felt really confident in how the Super Bowl was going to play out. Two years ago, I felt really confident in how the Super Bowl was going to play out. Rams, Bengals, and Chiefs, Eagles, obviously, the last two. This year, not as confident, but I will have my money on Kansas City.
3: All right, so when you look at some of the, the side bets, the over-unders and stuff in this game, like, what do you like? What do you not like?
10: Um, so, side, like Kansas City, don't love. Total – like the over, but don't love it. Um, And I think the way that a lot of people are going to choose to play this game based on, like, trends that we've seen over the balance of the season and for Kansas City, kind of dating back to, like, a couple couple years in the postseason, Kansas City has been a second-half under team this entire season. The thought being that Steve Spagnuolo makes defensive adjustments and Mahomes kind of, like, becomes, like, the greatest game manager in the history of, like, professional football. And Kansas City just kind of, like, chokes these games out and, like, Boa constricts the games. Um, Kansas City has also scored touchdowns on their opening possession of seven straight playoff games. Hmm. So I think people – people, and, and then on the flip side, obviously, you've got Kyle Shanahan, an, obviously, an unbelievable offensive play caller and like scripter that you would think that like the beginning of the game is going to go well for the Niners because they script obviously the first 15 plays of the game. So I think the thought is that we will see more scoring early and then maybe like the game get a little stagnant late. I guess my disagreement with that would be I think this game is gonna get very loose at the end where we could see like a like a pretty tame like two and a half or three quarters to start and then just like an explosion of points at the end when like and the game really open up. So I like the over. I don't love it. My anticipation in the betting market, guys, it's been forty-seven and a half all weekend. This is a deal with the Super Bowl every year. Like, the point spread and total don't move like, at all, basically. Because, like, the number's really sharp. Think about the millions upon millions of dollars getting bet into billions, right? Like, the number's just right. The side and total are right. I do think the total will kick up a little bit in between now and kickoff, maybe close 48. eight. I'll lean for me towards the over. I'll have some money on it because it's the Super Bowl, but... I don't feel tremendously confident. And I I, I, I hope these don't sound like cop out answers. Just my honest opinion on the game.
2: Nick Costos joining us our Odyssey Sports Betting Insider. Is there anything off the beaten path, wager wise, that, that you think would be phenomenally intriguing about this one?
10: Yeah, I think there's there's tons of prop bets that I think are really interesting. And you know, there are matchups offered for the Super Bowl that like, you don't get for a lot of other games. Like for instance, um, I think that Debo Samuel is going to be more involved in this game as a runner than he is as a receiver. Um, the way that you attack Kansas City's defense most successfully is on the ground, and there's no game next week. It's not like San Francisco has to save Debo. Like, the next time he's playing in an important game is in September. So I think they're going to use him a lot on the ground, along with Christian McCaffrey. So, like, for exa- and I'm not even suggesting this is, like, the best bet of all time, just that these sorts of bets, guys, are really interesting. Like, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, you can bet at a big, like, underdog price, to have more receiving yards in the game than Debo Samuel. Like the thought process being like MVS could have like one catch for 60 yards and Debo could have like four for 45 and like 10 rushes for 80 yards, right? And you could win a bet like that. Like you could bet George Kittle and like the tight end matchup, Kittle to have more receiving yards than Travis Kelsey. Like I don't think that's going to happen, but I think it's a reasonable opinion if you think Kittle's going to have a monster game here in the Super Bowl. So like you can bet a lot more things in the Super Bowl than you can on like a normal NFL Sunday.
3: Um, man, there's just so many things to talk about uh, in this game. I I do want to ask you this, Nick, because it it came up earlier this week, especially in Ohio, where things are legal, that most people now that maybe didn't gamble before, like this would be the weekend that they would maybe throw a couple dollars down on some stuff, just even if it was an office pool or something. But uh, I'm just curious, can you see the impact? It's kind of hard not to. But can you see the impact on how legalized gambling in the state of Ohio is brought out maybe new gamblers that weren't there before because now they're like, okay, it's legal. I can do this now. Do you, can you yeah, directly I, see that? Yeah. I
10: don't know if it's like a, a direct thing. I think it's more just like it's happened in every other state. So, like, of course it's going to happen in Ohio. And, and I would just offer this, and I think I've said this with you guys like a number of times over the course of my appearances over a couple seasons. Sure. Like especially with, especially with this game where people are going to have like a lot of wagers, more than usual. Cause it's, and I will too because it's the Super Bowl. Like, just please bet responsibly. Don't bet more than, like, you can afford to lose. And look at this as, like, an entertainment expense if you're going to, like, make a ton of bets on this game where, like, when the game's over, like, you might not get your money back. You might lose your bets. Like, pay for the entertainment, I would say. If you're not, like, a serious hardcore gambler, which is totally fine. Most people aren't. Like, if you're going to, like like... Bet like fifteen things in this game or like ten things more than you normally do because it's the Super Bowl. Just like scale your money, like like the amount of bet down. Like I promise you'll still have a good time and you'll still be able to enjoy the game. Just like bet responsibly if you're gonna bet like fifteen things on Sunday.
3: All righty. Well, Nick, here we go, man. Super Bowl. Love it. Love all your coverage and I'd love being able to talk to you about the NFL all season long, especially to give us insight on uh on betting that we just never had before and i can't tell you how many times i've listened to you and then waited to see things how they played out on sunday and they do every time
10: thank you nick we appreciate you thank you buddy i i appreciate that guys great being on with you all season by the way cleveland Cavaliers pretty pretty good right now and i will say that i tossed a couple bucks on donovan mitchell to an nba most valuable player i don't think the caps will win the title but Just saying, I don't think it's like the worst thing at a massive price to put a couple bucks down on Donovan Mitchell if he keeps this up and the Cavs finishes like the two-seed in the Eastern Conference. Appreciate coming on all season. Wishing everybody minimal sweats, winning bets. The absolute very best of luck. Thanks, Rick. You got it.
3: Story of the day. NBA trade deadline coming up at 3. Yes, that is a big story of the day, and we'll keep you posted on everything that's going on with that. But the Browns owner's buying 176 acres in Brook Park. We will talk about that a little bit later on the show if you want to get in on the conversation. 216-474-0092. When we come back, we'll make Jeff Thomas do it. Baskin and Phelps, 92.3 The Fan.
5: Big topic, uh, two big topics today, NBA trade deadline at 3 o'clock.
3: Uh, and Browns owners buying 176 acres in Burke Park. What does that mean? It's uh, it's blowing up on our show today, uh, 216-474-0092 if you want to talk about it. We'll get to your phone calls here in just a moment. Daryl Ryder has been all over this story, uh, and it'll be interesting to see what he has. He's going to talk to us at noon, so he's standing by. We'll talk to him in a little bit. Uh, Dan, we want to get up to speed on what's going on with the NBA trade deadline real quick or let uh, you want to keep moving I'm sorry. I do want to move forward at some point. In the next segment, we're going to come back. We're going to get you up to speed on everything that's going on. Nothing for the Cavaliers. So that's all that really matters, right? Nothing for the Cavaliers. Yet. Yeah, okay. So we'll get to that. We'll keep you up to speed on what's going on with the NBA. Uh, and then you also get them in the 2020s. All right. So we've been talking about the story all morning. Browns owners buying 176 acres in Brook Park. The Browns had a response. Dan, what did they say?
1: All right. So this is a response on the Browns Twitter page uh, from Peter Jean Baptiste, who what, what director is his title?
2: Big guru of communications. Yeah, he's
1: he's in the comms department. He's the head of comms. I don't know his title. I apologize. Uh, we've been clear on how complex future stadium planning can be. One certainly is our commitment to greatly improving our fan experience while also creating a transformative and lasting impact to benefit all of Northeast Ohio. We understand the magnitude of opportunity with the stadium project intent on driving more large-scale events to our region and are methodically looking at every possibility. We appreciate the collaborative process with the City of Cleveland and leadership of Mayor Bibb in analyzing the land bridge and renovating the current stadium. At the same time, as part of our comprehensive planning efforts, we are also studying other potential stadium options in Northeast Ohio at various additional sites. There is still plenty of work to do and diligence to process before a long-term stadium solution is determined and we'll share future updates at the appropriate time. That is the statement from the Cleveland Browns. All
5: right.
3: Jeff, what's your take on what the Browns said?
2: Um, Hi, here's our... Here's our... Very vague response to a report that's out there.
1: As someone who has read this twice, I interpret it as stadium ex- stadiums exist and stadiums will exist in and, the future.
2: And we will be playing in one.
1: And we and like they playing have, football in stadiums. And mm-hmm. we do
3: know that they had committed themselves to Northeast Ohio the last time the owners talked. They are 100% committed to Northeast Ohio. Okay. Okay? So that's important. I think that's super important because... When you read the story like we did on NEO Trans blog this morning, um, they now have a, it's an airport-adjacent site that's under contract. And that's where they are now. I'll read you the beginning of that story. I do want to get your feedback. Jeff and I will give you ours here in a second. The owners of the Cleveland Browns football team reportedly reached a purchase agreement to acquire a large piece of land in the Cleveland suburb of Brook Park, leading to speculation that the Browns could leave the city of Cleveland for the second time in the team's 78-year history. This is nowhere near. Art Modell lifting the team and placing them on the Atlantic Ocean. This is a nine-mile jaunt out to the airport that so many of us do. It's in improving York, the Ohio. franchise
2: and the fan experience. And uh, if, if it were to come to fruition. Yes. Let's let's throw that out there, okay? I don't know. The, just... the, the reports are out there that they're looking at buying land and there are, there are agreements in place and everything. We know how land deals are. Sometimes they happen. Sometimes they don't go through. So, so just stay tuned. You know, are are you trying to strong arm the city into fixing the stadium? I would bet not. Andy. I would,
3: no. In fact, that was in the blog story today. That this just doesn't seem like something you're going to do to try to, you know, just gain a little leverage. Yeah, I, I would think that's not the case.
2: Honestly, if I would think if you're the Haslams and you're good business people, what's a better way to make what's a better way to make more money? To, to have a bigger thing. Would it be to renovate a stadium that's on the lakefront with all the talk of renovating the lakefront that we've been hearing for 50, 60 years? Or would it be acquiring 176 acres, putting your retractable roof stadium there and surrounding it with businesses, with shopping, with restaurants and parking and connecting it with, I mean, which one's a better opportunity, Andy? Uh, to me, seems pretty clear to
3: me. I mean, I, I think it could be, depending on how the city wants to look at it, a win-win for everybody if the team moved out to Brook Park. Now, I, I don't know how great of a win it would be for the city of Cleveland, but the opportunity to take over the land where the stadium is right now, um, to me, seems gigantic. And Jeff has said this, and I've, I totally agree with him because they've said it our entire life. Lakefront Development. Lakefront Development. If you ask me what Lakefront Development is, it's a football stadium, it's the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and it's a science center. And a pretty good Mexican restaurant.
2: Show me where else in the city of Cleveland Lakefront's been developed. I'll wait. Yeah, I, I have no I'll idea. I'll
3: wait. I, I just, it just seems like there's so much more they could do on the lakefront.
2: So much more than a stadium, do. to me, just gets in the way. Yeah, and the,
3: I mean, I... I you look at the plans of a land bridge, and you just, hey, am I the only one that's like, oh, let's just drop a spaceship down and cover up the freeway and then try to figure out, oh, let's not make it a freeway. Let's make it a boulevard. It's just, it's all too complicated. You're talking about a billion dollars to renovate where you are now. You're probably looking at $2 billion for an open-air stadium, uh, to, according to the story, too. $2 billion, $2.5 billion for a fixed roof, and then $3 billion for a retractable
2: roof. And, and how much foot traffic would you be getting on a land bridge going to a stadium that's used 12 times a year?
3: Again, that to me is – now, maybe if you put a roof on it, you
2: get more – Well, that, that's a but, different story. But why put a roof on an existing structure that you consider obsolete? Why, why would you do that? Why would you put a billion dollars into renovating a structure that you think is close to being obsolete?
3: Daryl and I on our last I, I don't understand.: In
2: our last it's always Game Day in Cleveland podcast
3: that we talked about this. What was the whole notion of the fact that there is, like, at the ballpark, and at the arena, there's underground tunnels and access for um, employees, for, you know, a commissary for all of those things. In fact, they had to redo part of the commissary, or they had to redo the commissary, I think at the ballpark was a big part of this renovation that we're seeing right now. And it it encompasses the entire stadium underneath. When you look at what Cleveland Brown Stadium is, underneath is very limited. It's the west side, underneath the west side, and then on the entire north side. So there's really only underneath the stadium on two sides of the stadium. Now, I know maybe we're talking about high-end seats that, you know, could be dug out into making dugout suites and stuff like that. That's super high-end, and most people don't. Would never touch it, but it's the infrastructure of the building that makes a building sing on game day. That when they built that, they left half of it out because they were in such a hurry to get it done. So, understandably, you know, these are all just like little things that they just didn't do right when they built that stadium on a landfill. And again, if you're talking about a billion dollars right up front, how long is that going to last on a stadium that you're remodeling? when maybe the right idea is to put more money in to have a stadium we know could last for a lot longer.
2: Andy, if you put a if you put billion dollars and renovated that stadium on the lakefront, what do you think the shelf life is before we're hearing it needs renovated and we need a new ten, stadium?
3: Ten to 12 years.
2: I agree. So so why bother? That's what I say. I, yep.
3: I, and I'm totally with you on that. I also, you know, the thought of putting it at Brook Park, one, you literally could come to Cleveland, never have to go outside to watch a football game should they put a roof on that thing. They, with the expansion, how hard would it be? And I can't tell you how many times that you walk through airports throughout the country and there's a tunnel to get to the hotel. There's a tunnel to get to here. You can go up. Minneapolis is like the greatest city in the world for downtown. Now I'm not talking about the airport. But just to get from building to building without ever really having to go outside. Mm-hmm. In this scenario, let's just say you did have the Super Bowl. I mean, and they're talking about major reconstruction at Hopkins. You could tunnel right underneath the freeway and boom, you'd be at the stadium. You would never have. You could walk through a tunnel underneath and be there, just like you can sometimes if you park uh, to go to a basketball game. Right now, you don't have to go down, You don't have to go outside. Once you hit Terminal Tower, you don't have to go outside, which mm-hmm. means you can hit the rapid, never leave Terminal
2: Tower, and walk right into the arena, which you can do now. Let me let me throw this at you: the football stadium, as we all know, they they had to put up in a hurry because the team was coming back, and thank God it was, and thank God they built the stadium. And it, it's a fine stadium to watch a football game in, Andy. It really is. It's it's a fine place to watch a football game. And if you wanted to continue to do that, then you could spend a lot less than a billion dollars and just, you know, punch it up a little bit and it would be fine. But if you're looking for more, it's you're gonna have to spend way too much money, I think. When they built Gateway, there was a lot of planning, took a long time, some serious developmental thinking went into it. And today we have one of the oldest buildings in the NBA that has been renovated and is still a terrific building. And we have a ballpark that is still one of the nicer ballparks in major league baseball that has gone through several renovations.
3: I can't wait to see what it looks like. I, I think
2: one of the key reasons why is because they were able to take the time and properly develop and build those facilities and put, put a ton of time into the planning. Joe is in Shaker Heights. Hi, Joe.
12: Good morning, guys. Good morning. This is this is brilliant on the Browns part because regardless of what you say, they're probably dealing with the city of Cleveland. And I was involved almost 40 years ago with Gateway and uh, Gundarina and the ballpark. And it was beautiful insofar as the cooperation. But I can imagine them dealing with the city council now and how dithering and slow they are. And this was a great move by saying to the city of Cleveland, we have other options. Uh, we'd love to work with you, but we got to get going on this. And, uh, again, they're forcing the city's hand. This is not a big initial uh, acquisition price, probably way under $8 million, I'd say. Now, that means in the future, though, that doesn't mean in the future there is not going to be a big cost for uh Uh, infrastructure and for utilities and then building the building. They'd probably much rather uh, work with the city on the uh, lakefront site. But this is beautiful, the way they're forcing the uh, dithering and glacial moving city council to go forward. You ought to have on Mike Polensic from uh, Collinwood, a council member, Mm -hmm. and he can talk about – the viewpoint right now on console, as he calls it, console. And uh, they're just uh, forcing the city's hand. And if they leave that stadium, uh, that stadium is going to be standing there because of the cost of tearing it down and remediation. Uh, I don't know what developers going to want to take a look at that with gotcha. all that cost. They'll so take a look.
3: All right, Joe, that thank thing you. Will be, that Joe, thing will yep. be there longer than Leak Park. That'll be interesting to know. Joe, thank you. Although Leak Park looks pretty good right now. All right, let's come back. We're going to talk to Daryl Ryder who's been all over this story. We'll talk to him, and we will talk to you coming up in the next hour. Browns owners buying 176 acres in Brook Park. Baskin and Phelps, ninety-two-three. The Fan. He is Daryl Ryder,
2: and we absolutely love him. He's brought to us by Scheiben Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store.
3: All right, so the big story of the day, the Browns owner is buying 176 acres in Brook Park. Now, uh, what does that mean? Where are we going with that? Daryl Ryder has been all over the story since the first day we cracked the microphone on It's Always Game Day in Cleveland. Daryl has a story up at 92.3 The Fan Right now, I advise you to go read it. Great stuff. Daryl, how are you? What an interesting story.
13: Yeah, uh, you know, this is um, another step in the process for the Browns as they try and figure out ultimately what their future in Northeast Ohio uh, is going to look like. I want to be clear on one thing. Uh, There is zero consideration. Uh, The team is not going anywhere, okay? (laughs) The Cleveland Browns are not going anywhere. Uh, Where they play football, though, uh, here in the region, eh, that uh, very well could change. But, um, yeah, uh, they've not purchased any land at this point. Uh, They're finalizing the details of a potential purchase agreement uh, for this land. Uh, which is directly across uh, from Cleveland Hopkins International Airport. It is south of Interstate 480, west of Interstate 71, and east of State Route 237. So if you can just in your mind visualize that area, that's where the old Ford plant uh, is. And it's flat. uh, It's easily accessible. RTA, uh, obviously, you've got the airport line that that runs uh, through there. So it is a very accessible location for everybody uh, here in Northeast Ohio. It just so happens to be that it's not within the city of Cleveland limits. It's in the, uh, the city of Brook Park uh, city limits. But um, there's, there's nothing final here. This is just a, a piece of uh, their evaluation process. They clearly have found a site. If they cannot move forward with a renovation to Cleveland Brown stadium, that they then could move forward with the building of a brand new state of the art facility for the team.
2: Darrell, what do you think they want to do?
13: I think they want a new stadium. Just that's my opinion. I can't stress that enough. That is my own personal opinion. Um, I think that they would be very happy with a renovation to Cleveland Brown stadium, but if they could build a dome, uh, on this property in Brook Park, I, I think that that would be a win-win for everybody. And again, I can't stress enough that's my own, you know, personal take uh, on this particular situation. Um, you you don't go down this path if it is not serious business and something that you are legitimately considering at this point. Because my understanding is um, that yes, they they've had productive conversations. Uh, with Mayor Justin Bibb, the city of Cleveland, about the current stadium. Um, they're not as far down the train tracks as I think that they want to be with those discussions or need to be with those discussions because the lease expires at the end of the 2028 season. And as we have talked about extensively, time is running out here to, to do something. So – um you know, th- this is something that is, you know, front of mind in the overall future of the franchise here uh, in Northeast Ohio. The commissioner, Roger Goodell, was in town December 17th uh, for that game against the Chicago Bears. Ohio Governor Mike DeWine uh, attended that game, met with the Haslams, met with Roger Goodell. Uh, the stadium situation was discussed, the pros and cons of uh, staying in the existing building or building something brand new. Uh, that is not on the lakefront. So um, big news today, no question about it, but uh, this is just a small sliver uh, in what is a very lengthy process in figuring out where the Cleveland Browns will be playing football in 2029 here in Northeast Ohio.
3: Let's be honest, it's the first step, right? This is step one, that there's yes. actually some public information out there. Well,
13: this is this is the first tangible uh, tangible step where – um, they actually may leave the lakefront now uh, because all of the conversation, even though I and others have been asking the question, hey, you know, are you uh, considering building a new stadium elsewhere? And the answer from the Browns has been uh, v- in unison we are focused on the existing building and making it the best fan experience it can be, uh, a- as well as, uh, uh, you know, a, a public asset that can be used year-round. The fact that they are working now on this purchase agreement, it's not final, they haven't bought the land, that's very important to point out here, but the fact that they are down this path now really makes it known, hey, if we can't get the existing stadium renovated, we are more than prepared to build a new facility outside the city of Cleveland limits.
2: Gerald, your gut would tell you if things were to progress and they buy the land and then they're going to build, would your gut tell you roof of some kind, either permanent or retractable?
13: Yes. Yeah. It, it, it would, it, my gut tells me this would have a roof on it because here's the thing, Jeff. If it doesn't have a roof, right, if they do what the Buffalo Bills did and build a, 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 an open-air building, what do you really gain from that? Okay? Other than it's, hey, it's a brand spanking new building. However, if you build a dome, and I pointed this out in my article, if you build a dome, and this goes to what's happening later this year at Cleveland Browns Stadium, September thirteenth, uh, Billy Joel, Rod Stewart are coming into town for a concert on a Friday night. Browns are probably going to will I guarantee you not be in town for that particular game. We'll see if they open at home on September eighth uh, when that schedule comes out. Of course, there's a lot of. Uh, conjecture out there whether or not they might head to South America to to play the Eagles uh, on that Friday night to kick the season off, but that would mean then they'd open the season uh, on the road for two straight weeks at minimum. But uh, it goes to the heart of the challenges the current stadium presents, right? They can't play a football game on Sunday uh, with that concert. However, if it was a dome stadium with an artificial surface, um, they could. Um, and then guess what? After that game is played, well, the the following night they could have another concert or, or major event. That's what those buildings allow you to do. And then there's obviously the larger, broader conversation of, you know, what other major events can. The, the fine folks like David Gilbert and the Greater Cleveland Sports Commission and Destination Cleveland recruit to the region, right? Uh, obviously, Final Four comes top of mind because that has to be played in a dome. Uh, then Super Bowl, and I noted this in my article, and, and I know Browns fans detest every time I mention it, but it's a fact, and it's uh, unique to the Browns situation, and that is the Cleveland is the only city involved with the National Football League that has nothing to do with Super Bowl Sunday.
3: Other than people that have been here. uh, No, I mean, uh, I mean, people that were born in Cleveland. It's the only other connection we have to the Super
13: Bowl. Well, no, I mean, the the Lions have at least hosted. Right. uh, The Texans have hosted and the Jaguars have hosted. Correct. Uh, They've not played in the game, but they've at least hosted. The Browns have neither played in it nor hosted the game. So and and I'm not saying that this new dome stadium would guarantee that the, the Cleveland gets a Super Bowl, but at least that gives you the option of of bidding on such an event which obviously the economic impact of that or having the men's final four of course we have the women's final four coming here uh in a couple of months but uh the economic impact of bringing those type of events and then you could compete maybe for a college bowl game or uh, other you know collegiate events hey the, the the browns have hosted at the stadium college football Uh, in recent years as well. So the Haslams, uh, since they did their last renovation in 2014-2015, have made it part of their mission to add calendar dates to the stadium. But the existing building makes that very difficult to do uh, on a massive scale. So, um, again, this is the first tangible piece of evidence that the Cleveland Browns would, in fact, actually consider leaving the lakefront.
3: Yeah, I, and I, I'm glad you started things the way you did because I just don't think they, like, we had one caller. is like, oh, this is the worst thing since Art Modell. This is nothing like Art Modell moving the team I'll, I'll be honest with you, man. Nothing.
13: Andy, I think this would be great if it happens. I have been against Agreed, staying you know, on the lakefront for that. years. What this would, this, this, and I know, you know, from a tax perspective be, uh, that it might hurt the city of Cleveland a little bit. But I think in the long run it might benefit because they could generate additional tax by actually throwing the existing stadium into the lake and then building uh, tangible, residential, office, commercial, uh, realist, whatever, right? Other things on that lakefront. Um, when you go down to that lakefront, there are basically three, four things you can do. You can walk down to the pier, you can go to the Rock Hall, you can go to the Science Center, or you go to the stadium. There is nothing else. That stadium is on an island all by itself, okay? As with the lakefront, you know, if you're coming into the Cleveland because you want to go to the Rock Hall, right? Because that's, you know, obviously what Cleveland's known for these days is the Rock Hall. I mean, every logo for every event we have has a guitar in it, right? So um, (laughs) there's nothing really tangible to do. When you walk down that bridge over the shoreway, to get down to the lakefront there, there, I believe there's one or two restaurants down by the pier. That's it. There's no clubs. There's no, there's no street activity down there. Right. And so if you can get the, the stadium out of there uh, and, and really build that out, put the stadium in a location that's really accessible by car. Cause let's be honest about it. Uh, this is what Brown's fans do on Sunday. They get up first thing in the morning, they pack their cars full of hot dogs and beer. They drive down to the Muni lot or their parking lot of choice. They get out, put out their grills, tailgate, drink some beers, go to the game, leave the game, go back to their cars, and they leave. There's not a lot of uh, economic impact that maybe the Guardians and the Cavaliers have, right? Because they're in that gateway neighborhood and there's bars and other businesses around there. That doesn't exist for the Cleveland Browns as the situation stands now that's not to say that it can't change with all these lakefront development plans, but it, it just I, I feel like for everybody involved right now the Cleveland Browns are doing uh, people a tremendous favor by beginning this process of creating an alternate option for themselves outside of just this one to one point two billion potential renovation uh, to a building that would remain an outdoor facility and, uh, you know, have those same limitations.
2: Earl, is there any chance, In my gut would tell me no, you tell me, you've got a better feel for it than I do, any chance that they're buying possibly 176 acres to, to strong-arm the city into giving them what they want on the lakefront? Or is this, hey, we've talked to them, but this is what we're really looking at?
13: Yeah, well, um, and – I don't want to speak in absolutes here, Jeff, because sure. there are no absolutes. Right. We don't know. Okay. Over- uh, you know, we, we just don't know at this point, right. obviously. And I put this in my, let's be honest about it. It is a shot across the bow at the city of Cleveland, right? That, Hey, you know what? Uh, if, if the stadium renovation thing isn't going to work and, and this is business one oh one as well, right? They had a plan in place. They've got, drawings and art and things that can be done. Remember in 2021, they put out that beautiful lakefront development plan themselves, mm-hmm. uh, the Haslam sports group, right? And the city of Cleveland basically, uh, you know, yeah, whatever. We'll just, you know, look at our own thing. And then the, the mayor spent a couple million dollars to have yet another lakefront study done. And, you know, they're going through that process right now, right? Nothing's moving forward. And so uh, in, in regards to the lakefront at it, it a pace, that coincides with the end of 2028 season timeline here. So um, I'm not going to say, and I understand the question, Jeff, and I'm not ducking it. I'm not going to say that this is the Browns' way of twisting the city's arm to get their way and to get the, the the renovation moving forward and things like that. I think this is just common business practice. Hey, we have an option on the table to, to renovate the stadium. Well, what if – that just doesn't happen. It can't happen. Remember, it's a city-owned building. Okay? City of Cleveland owns that building. And they're always having to come up with money to make repairs to that building. So, um, you know, this, I, I you know, obviously don't know the, the behind the scenes here as far as what the Browns are thinking uh, when it comes to uh, the actual setup of a, a potential new stadium or whatever, but it would make sense if... You know, the Browns ownership goes ahead and, and, and buy, buys that land, assuming that that moves forward, that they would build and operate the stadium. You know, you have public contributions could come in the form of infrastructure, tax abatements. I mean, there there are a lot of things that can be done that don't necessarily uh, include actually cutting a check, so to speak. Um, and I think all those discussions still need to be had, right? Um, but this, again, this is tangible evidence that the Cleveland Browns are working on a plan B if they can't get a stadium renovation.
2: Let me throw one other thought at you about this. Are the options in, in your mind, renovate the stadium or 176 acres in Brook Park? Could the city come back and say, you know what? We just built opportunity corridor. There's a lot of stuff out there that could use some development. Let's. How about if we put something there and you build a new stadium somewhere in the city of Cleveland that's not on the existing site? Is that even a possibility? Steelyard.
13: Yeah, I mean Maybe
2: Steelyard, yeah.
13: Yeah, and you got and you got to think in terms of accessibility here too. Exactly. Um, yeah, and, that's, and and this is why I
2: Girl, the I other mean, site by the airport's perfect. Yeah, I mean, I mean th- you're close we, to We everything. all we all know that. Turned
13: this by this by is the site that I have been talking more, about I mean. for years and years and years by the way. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. So this is not a stunning surprise to me, okay? I have been talking about this site forever because you have you have uh, two major interstate highways. You've got uh, the airport right there. Turnpike's you've close. Got, uh, Turnpike's real close. You've got yep. RTA right there. Like, I mean, that is just a perfect spot. If you were going to leave the city limits, if you were going to leave the lakefront, that is like the perfect spot to drop a, a a dome stadium so there's um, plenty of space there daryl it's already yeah, sitting there I just, waiting I for development know that it's you know and and um you know we've seen you know other sites speculated about to your point about you know could they find a place in the city of cleveland uh the site acquisition's already been done here jeff <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you know what i'm right. saying like yeah. they they found this spot like the the that that's a perfect spot to put it uh, and so, um, you know, we'll see how this thing moves forward. Again, nothing's final. They haven't actually bought the land. The purchase agreement has not been completed. So things can still fall apart. You know what I mean? I mean, it's business, but this is our first tangible proof that the Browns are willing to consider another option that does not include renovating Cleveland Brown Stadium.
2: And can I throw this in, too? Our airport... Has been talked about for years as needing, you know, renovation. And, uh, and how about
13: we, a how about a three billion dollar overhaul? That's, yeah, that's what coming. the city is currently right. working on. So you put
2: that next to what could be sitting there that we all know from a sports standpoint. Now, Daryl, here's one what, for what you. A, Jeff. What a what a thing for the region.
13: Well, here's one for you too, and I put this in my article. State Route 237, which connects the airport to the interstates, okay, mm-hmm. uh, and then obviously it you know migrates its way into uh, into Berea there. Uh, That's all going to get rebuilt as part that's part of the three billion dollar project that the city is working on. You've got terminal reconstruction. You've got the adjacent area around the airport reconstruction. uh, And then you've got the actual uh, transportation infrastructure portion of the project as well. And that includes State Route 237. So if there is ever a perfect time to begin this process, it's now because then you can have the conversation with everybody involved in about okay we're going to you know make changes to 237 and and things like that how do we tie that infrastructure in to this plot of land where uh, a stadium could be put so um yeah pretty significant development today and uh, we'll be following it all
3: right darrell last question cuz i only have about 10 seconds here this is the first time and if you go back and listen to <clears throat> excuse me it's always game day in cleveland uh, if you go back and listen to the archive, this is the first time, though, that the Browns have ever kind of said, you know what? Maybe we can not be on the lakefront because we've had this yeah. conversation before where I would be like, oh, Brook Park, that's a great idea. Or, you know, I talked about some places on the east side and you came back and said, nope, the team is 100 percent committed to staying downtown. This is the first time we've seen it where it isn't that way.
13: Yeah. And like I said, when when, when you get the lawyers involved starting to draft up paperwork for 176 acres, that indicates you're pretty serious about what you're doing all right daryl Ryder, thank you very
3: much appreciate it can't wait to talk to you on the next it's always game day in cleveland and of course read his article now for all the information about the browns uh buying 176 acres
5: in brook park thank you daryl
13: you bet guys
3: thank you Darryl. now
5: for 2020 here's andrew hody Dan Menigan. All right, so today is trade deadline day across the NBA, and we all know that
1: deadlines spark uh, movements. So nothing massive that has come down yet. We'll go over some of these moves, and uh, feel free if one of them is so below the uh, threshold to just go, eh, and we'll move on. Okay? M-E-H, meh. It's a wonderful word. Meh. It's perfect. Meh. Meh. All right, so we'll start with this. Oklahoma City Thunder, this is the latest trade. That has come down Oklahoma City Thunder, finalizing a trade to send guard Treyman and forward Davis Bertans to the Charlotte Hornets for Garden Hayward.
2: Eh. There's got to be contract stuff all through that deal, right? Yeah. Oklahoma City doesn't make a trade unless there's huge implications for the first, well, there, for the future, it seems.
1: So it sounds like from what Adrian Wojnarowski, we're going to use Woj as the backbone of this all stuff because we know he's the 31st franchise, but... It sounds like they're gearing up for kind of the buyout market to go get a big guy. All that stuff. They they need one behind Chet. We'll see what the Thunder do for the rest of the day. But that trade is very much a eh, kind of trade. All right. Knicks. Knicks and Pistons make a trade that's really interesting. Boyan Bogdanovich and Alec Burks are heading to the Knicks. The Pistons getting Quentin Grimes, Malachi Flynn, Evan Fournier, and two second round picks. Along with Ryan Archie Diacono.
2: I, I think Quentin Crisp is a, a really interesting young player. Yeah, but, that's... but Alec Burks can help a team that has a chance to go somewhere in the playoffs. I, I think I think he's nice and Bogdanovich as well. I it, it's interesting because I think the Pistons, despite the fact that they've absolutely stunk out the joint this year, have some nice pieces. It just they, they just haven't come together yet and they're not going to get the chance to. So I, I think the two guys the Knicks picked up helped the New York Knicks. Especially with Brunson and Randall. That sounds all good
3: for the Knicks. I, I don't think that's I think it's a good move for the Knicks. Yeah, the
1: absolutely. Knicks. That's a that's a good one. Um Quentin Grimes would be a guy that I wonder if the Cavs had circled at one point or another, but you know, when you don't have a ton of assets to play with, it's tough to go play at the deadline. So we'll see what they do in the buy market. All right, moving on to the other moves that have taken place here. Um that are worth noting. The 76ers have traded Daniel House and a 2024 second round pick to the Pistons as well. That is the definition of meh. I think that's right. I speak for everybody with meh.
2: Yeah. Eh. All yeah.
1: right. Jeff, you good with that? What'd they get? Um, Nothing. Pretty okay. much, I think, salary cap right. filler. There you that.
2: go. So, eh. Well, then that really is.
1: Yeah. The Utah Jazz finalizing like a trade to send center. Kelly Olynyk and Guard Ochai Abaji to the oh. Toronto Raptors for Kyrie Lewis, Otto Porter Jr and a 2024 first round pick sources tell ESPN. Jeff, you've
2: you've kept an eye on Ochai Abaji? I think he's an interesting young player. He's got to be thinking, wait a minute, I just got into the league not too long ago and I'm on my third organization now. Um opportunity in Toronto, they're trying to rebuild a little bit, so maybe he, you know, maybe he gets a shot there and what's Utah doing? Collecting first-round draft choices, God knows they have plenty coming from the Cavs
1: hmm. and the Timberwolves.
2: Yeah,
3: yeah, I'm with you on this. I just, I'm, I'm just looking at this. I, I think a couple teams got a little bit stronger today. I don't feel like I'm over the top though that anyone has made a deal that's going to win them a championship immediately from one of these trades. But uh, keep going. Well, this
1: one may help. The Indiana Pacers trading Buddy Hield to the Seventy Sixers for Marcus Morris. Uh, Cork Moss heading there as well, and three second-round picks. Buddy Heald, of course, a great shooter for the Indiana Pacers. Uh, Marcus Morris helps to increase Indiana's defense a little bit. So, I don't know, maybe these games are now 135 to 130 you know, to, to 132 instead of being 145 to 142.
2: You know why Buddy Heald is known as Buddy? Why? From the movie? Because his real first name is Shavano. You'd go by Buddy too, wouldn't you? middle name is Rainier, so the beer from there. Shivano. I don't know if I've ever met anybody named Shivano. And so that. That other guy's
1: named Buddy. And so that is our trade deadline roundup. We'll keep you up to date on I, anything else that's coming down. I got a feeling it's not going to be massive I, I today. like Buddy
2: Healed for the 76ers. Gives them another option. The only, the only thing there is, I don't care who they bring in there. Unless they get Joel Embiid back, they're not going to win the East. Clearly, I mean, that's quite obvious. But imagine healed on that team if, you know, with Maxi and if Embiid's able to come back. Different look. All
3: right. Let's get back to the other story of the day. Now you're up to speed. If anything happens with the Cavaliers, you know you'll hear it right here on 92.3 The Fan. For more information on what's going on with the Browns and the uh, potential and la- uh, land acquisition, of 76 acres in Brook Park. Is that a better way to put it, Jeff? Potential land acquisition.
5: Yeah. Okay.
2: Let's go with that. The, two, two of the three Ford plants that were out there. Reportedly in negotiations to buy land. So They, they haven't bought it yet. Yeah. Apparently so there, talking about it.
3: There's you a lot of feeling and emotion on this story, too. And I, it's been, I would say the majority of everything we've talked about today is positive if the Browns wanted to go out to Brook Park. That there isn't a whole lot. Of, we've had like one phone call of somebody was like, can't move. This is Art model. No, it's not. This is nothing
2: like Art Model. You know, if I had to bet money, I would bet that this got leaked today for a specific reason. Well, there was talk about a women's soccer stadium. That wasn't it? it. Oh, that was one of the things in downtown no, Cleveland. That wasn't yes. it. We, we were all scheduled to do our positional breakdowns of wide receivers today. Yeah, because that's exactly what it was. Oh, my God. We can't let them do that. Let's put something out there.
3: Can't. We're going to have to hold that off for a whole other day now. All right, I do want your feedback on this situation. So I, we've been, you know, the phone lines have been absolutely jammed all day. We've only had a chance to take up a phone call today just uh, because of just all this information coming out. So I do want to hear from you, 216-474-0092. Let's go to, uh, let's go to Stu in Shaker Heights. Hi, Stu. Hey,
5: Andy. How are you?
14: I'm fine, thanks.
5: Hi, Stu. This is my friend Jeff. Good to have you with us. Yes. Okay, your
3: turn to talk.
14: Okay. So, a couple things. One, I heard a caller talking about uh, the arena downtown, and the Coliseum was so much better. I just wish I could have plopped that downtown because it's a really crappy arena to see place. The Coliseum was much better. But,
3: Stu, hang think- on before we before we have this conversation. Stu, you're quick. on a, you're on an island, Jeff. Yeah, I think you're on an island too. Do you remember how bad the bad seats were at the Coliseum?
2: I. I'll agree with Stu on one thing. I thought that sitting in the bowl of the Coliseum was fabulous. I thought it was a great place to watch a basketball game, Stu. I'll agree with you on that. All the other amenities, much, 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 much better in the yeah. new facility.
14: I agree, but, you know, I don't like the fact that you can only go into your own section. You used to be able to walk around the bowl and watch the game. When you, know you know why started.
2: that is, though, don't you, Stu?
14: So they can capture your money.
2: There you go. Ding, 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 ding. And it's not, you know, it's not. Exclusive to that arena, that's the way they're all being built now. Yeah. Okay. Next, I know it sucks, but
14: but Browns. Okay, the Browns thing. Okay, I I've been the Browns game since Turkey Joe put Bradshaw on his shoulder. My dad was an original season ticket holder. I was at Red Right '88.
3: Oh, dude, your resume is outstanding, (laughs) stellar, very good. Okay.
14: The football game is meant to be played outdoors, so if they were to move to Brook Park, they better freaking have a, a retractable roof because domes suck. I don't want to see games on artificial turf. I want them on grass. I want them like real football. You
3: know, Second. they do have retractable roof stadiums with grass on the inside now too. They can do that. They, true, they have the technology. True, but
14: like Houston, for example, doesn't even open their dome. So, I mean, I, if I, I'm weary about a dome. I'd rather it be open here, but I understand the argument. Stu, <laughs> let me, let me ask you one
2: question. And I'm, yeah. I'm only asking for to clarify. Have you ever been in a dome stadium for a football game? For a football
14: game? No. It's,
2: it's a, it's not the same type of experience you think it is. Stu,
3: let me be honest with you. It sucks. I agree with you. Yeah, Football games inside inside domes are not anywhere near as good. That's why I've been pounding my fist uh, about retractable. So I agree with you on that, Stu. I'm not a huge fan of games inside. So
14: Now, the problem with the airport being across the street is – how tall can they build it, right? Because yeah, it's right across question. from the runway. There's a whole bunch of FAA regulations that will be. Yeah,
3: so they, they've already uh, – we were talking about that this morning. One, let's not forget our current stadium is at the end of a runway, right?
14: <laughs> not for 747.
3: Uh, I don't know if you watched the commissioner leave here when he was here. Thank you. When it's, the commissioner it, left. It but It is at the end of
2: the runway. That
3: thing banked <laughs> off to the uh, right side of the stadium when he left. So – uh, the 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 airplane stuff is is laughable because everyone forgets that our current stadium is at the end of a runway. Let's not forget that. Thank Boy. you. All right, your reaction. Browns, 176 acres in Brook Park. Good idea, bad idea,
5: and your emotions to it too. 92 Baskin and Phelps, 92.3 The Fan,
3: 216-474-0092. NBA trade deadline today, 3 o'clock. Cavaliers haven't done anything. The big story of the day, uh, Browns, 70, 176 acres in Brook Park. Uh, Jeff and I have been talking about this a lot, all day. Uh, we've had Daryl Ryder, who has an outstanding story, at 92.3TheFan.com online if you want to read more information on it. Daryl's been talking about this for a long time. NEO Trans blog had it first uh, today talking about it, and you know, it's a airport. It's adjacent to the airport, basically, just kind of on the other side of the freeway is where all that land is over there, where the Ford plants were. So you're looking at probably two out of the three Ford plants. Um, and That's we, the word. We want your uh, your input and your thoughts on this. Good idea, bad idea. You know, obviously the dome situation comes back into play on that too. Daryl, or not Daryl?
1: Airfoot. Just
3: a quick NBA trade. Hey Dan. Dan. Raptors
1: are trading Dennis Schroeder to the Nets for Spencer Dinwiddie. Sources tell ESPN, Adrian Ward, Janowski, of course, reporting. Raptors trading Dennis Schroeder to the Nets for Spencer Dinwiddie.
2: Dinwiddie is a uh, – I really like Dinwiddie. He's not been playing real well for Brooklyn as of late. So, it's an interesting little flop. Hmm. Point guard for point guard, but Dinwiddie's a little taller.
3: All right, and we'll keep you up to speed on everything that's going on in the NBA. Uh, trade deadline, is supposed to speak later this afternoon. You'll be able to hear that, too, on ninety two three The Fan. So we'll keep you up to speed on what's going on uh, with the NBA. Let's talk to Aaron in Cleveland. Hi, Aaron.
15: Hey, how you doing? How you doing, guys? Good. how are you? All right. Uh, Brook Park, bad idea. I'll tell you why. For one of the reasons what you guys just said earlier, what's over there? Everything, I don't, matter of fact, I don't know any other stadium that's built in in a city and is not in a downtown area because... 12 it, of the 13 are also,
3: in the suburbs. And it'll probably be, thir- I'm sorry, 12 of 32 are already games in suburban areas. And it'll be 13 if Chicago goes out to Arlington Heights. So, uh, you know... Twelve of thirty-two right now are in the
2: suburbs. About a third.
15: Yeah, but the downtown. What the city of Cleveland should do is just sell that land to the Haslams and let them build the retractable uh, uh, dome down there and keep it downtown. Because when we leave downtown, we go tailgating uh, all the time. So when we leave downtown area, we we finish the tailgating a little bit, and then you have the restaurants downtown right there off of uh, West Six. Uh, West 9th, and uh, right over on uh, Euclid right there. You got the East 4th Street, all of that. Everything is downtown, accessible. Yep. So that's why I think it should stay downtown. So, Aaron, you're also
3: – Bro- Okay, go ahead. So I'm listening.
15: Go No, ahead. I'm sorry. If it goes to Brook Park near the airport, I don't know what's over there. Well, and first just, of all – I'm worried about tailgating again.
3: <laughs> well, I actually think if you look at the layout of the land that they have there, there'll be more room to tailgate than there is right now. And that well the the difference would be is the Browns would own that tailgate area where they don't now so I think that's a big deal for them um, okay and, you yeah. know that's one of the things plus you're right next to 71 you're right near the turnpike you're right off of 480 um, and you have to believe that there would be all kinds of restaurant development airport or a hotel all those things that would be. Probably built in Brook Park around the surrounding area. It
2: there would be room. the beginning of a yeah. huge complex yeah. out there. Aaron. I mean, I, if you get a chance, take a look at what New England is. Yeah, at what I'm, New a, England I'm gonna has. take a look at it. Yeah,
15: I'm a, uh, but I just wonder how long would it take to finish all of that because you got so Three much. Three to
3: four years is what they're speculating in the story I just read.
15: Uh, no, well, no, not the stadium. I'm talking about to add all of the restaurants, the hotels and all of the other stuff. I don't know. It'd be great for the construction over there by, uh, Pinecrest over in, uh, Beachwood orange. Yeah.
3: (laughs) Well, that's why, I mean, you know, there's another place where, you know, we had talked about that city land over there too. That's over by Pinecrest. If they were wanted to get rid of Highland Hills golf course, that wouldn't be a bad spot either. But now as Daryl said, Daryl said, I don't think there's any talk about moving it anywhere else if ownership is truly buying 176 acres uh, in Brook Park, and that seems to be uh, closer today than it was yesterday. Aaron, great phone call. Thank you, Aaron. Okay, Thank you.
15: You You guys have a good day. day.
3: Thank you, Aaron. Tony is in Bedford. Hi, Tony. How are you? Hey, can I get my real handle? It's Tony the Cop. Tony oh, the Tony the okay. Cop, man. What's going
16: yeah. on? <laughs> Not too much. Look, I'm sitting out here. At the VA got a doctor's appointment at one. I said, man, I hope I get on before I go in there to my appointment. But, hey, but my point is, man, my son works for the Detroit Lions. And I've been to so many games out there. The last one I went to was that Monday night game. It was sold out like the whole season were, was. Mm-hmm. I, I got claustrophobic, man. I mean, I just – it was insane. I was like, I don't know if I can do this again. I mean, it, it was like I've been to Browns games, where as you know, I went to the old the old stadium. Come on, man, all them people down there. But it, it's a difference when it's open. But it, it was just like it was warm. I love that factor. But it was like, man, it ain't the same, man. I'm like, I, I mean, I bundle up. I get to get together, man. I took him and his brother to their first game down at the, you know, at the stadium, and I can remember his his brother looking at me in the third quarter and said, "I can't feel my feet." That's memories, you know.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah, had, Frostbite to, sticks with you carry a long him time. To the
16: car. Huh? Frostbite
2: the will stick with you Tony. It'll be that's a memory. Oh,
16: hey hey can I tell you a quick a quick story cuz I told you my son works for the Lions. Go okay, ahead.
2: Got to make quick. Go ahead. Okay.
16: I'll make it quick. He, uh, he was working. He started working for the Lions. He said he was in there. He was brushing his teeth in the bathroom. He said a guy walked in, uses the bathroom, come over and start washing his hands. He looks over out the corner of his eye and the guy said, hey, what's up, young brother? He said it was like an ESPN commercial. He said, the guy said, what's up, young brother? He said, not too much. How you doing? He said, I'm Billy Sims and you are? Oh, cool. He called me up. He said, pop, you're not going to believe who I met. And he told me the story. I said, man, that's a BSPA commercial. Man. That's so. very, very cool.
3: Tony, thank yeah. you for the phone call. And more than that, thank you for your service to this country. Thank you, all Tony. Right. Appreciate uh, you. All right, take care, brother. Later.
11: Appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you, Tony.
3: Uh, let's go to Thomas in Shaker Heights.
11: Hi, Thomas. Hi. Hey, Mr. Ombudsman. Um, Hi, Mr. Ombudsman. Always enjoy the show. you guys do a great job.
3: Hey, hey, thank you, Thomas. Thanks, Tony.
11: Um, Thomas, excuse me. Honestly, I'm kind of frustrated about the stadium movement. It, it just, um, it just, it's just another, like, to me, it feels like another impeding a progress of the city. Um, I think that we should have put more pressure on the city government and the city to uh to do something about keep building a new stadium downtown. It was obvious that we needed a new stadium. Anybody who has been to that stadium can tell you that stadium was crumbling and it was decrepit and it wasn't up to standard as other cities and other uh, other stadiums of other city. And what just frustrates me is the fact that it's not gonna be centralized. I'm an east Cider. that's gonna be hard for me to get to. And I'm just sick of going to other cities and seeing all this stuff that other cities have and Cleveland not have it and making excuses for not building stuff that other cities have. Like, we have every single excuse in the book not to have progress. And then when something like this happened, and moved to the west side and the inconvenience half the city, people start complaining. Well, we did something in the first place and we, kept, we fought more, we put more pressure on the city to keep the stadium downtown and we would have a new stadium downtown, not on the west side near airport. Frustrated, very frustrated.
3: Thomas, I'm just. Do you use the airport at all? Do you fly out of town?
11: No, you never fly out here. Right. I was going to say, I, I usually I drive out of town. I like I like driving. It's fun. I hear you. I'm not okay. fly out of town every once in a while. You know,
3: I, I got to tell you, Thomas, as an Eastsider, I don't. It doesn't bother me. I don't know. Burke Park itself. I mean, you you literally could throw a stone to the city of Cleveland across the street where they still own land. I mean, it is. I, it's not. I understand the downtown part of it. The, yeah, the issue uh, I have is. With the stadium that we currently have, we don't use it enough, and you're yeah. locked in, and it's not easy yeah. to get to, and there there are just a lot of well, things that are just, and I just think that that's the the land that's there could be used for so much more, more than well, twelve days a year. Dome.
11: Yeah, I'm excited about the dome. All right, I'm well, very excited about the dome.
3: Oh, that's interesting, Thomas. Thank you. This, so I, it's it's yeah. funny to hear this conversation because some people hate the thought of a dome, some people don't, you know, some people are all for it. The other part, and go back and look at the weather. I mean, we had pretty good weather this year. Yes, last year we had one of the coldest games in the history of the game. One time. I just, the the weather seems, and Jeff, you talk about this too, that the weather seems to be shifting. And it's not, okay, so if we have a bad game. Three weeks. If we have a bad weather game, it's December now. It's not November, December. It's December. And if we're lucky enough, although I don't know what it would be like for a playoff game because we haven't seen one since the 90s here in Cleveland. So, Agreed completely. After the first of the year. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Uh, I got time for one quick, or you want to come back in a second here? Tell
6: me. One quick. Ed, how are you, Ed? Good. I'm doing real good. Hey, I hate to admit this, but I actually think it's a good idea, okay?
7: And it kind of reeks of the the Strongsville thing with Model back in the 80s and now the mall's there.
5: Mm-hmm.
7: Um, actually, I, I do think it's a good idea. It clears the lakefront out. You know, nobody wants to talk about this, but the Browns fan
4: base isn't really in the city limits itself. Okay, they did a study on
7: that, and um, the other thing is it's adjacent to their Berea training facility. So, uh, you know what? I- I'm fine with the. I'm fine with it.
3: It's close. It's closer. Yes, Ed. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're what maybe a mile away from Berea. It's it's. It's I don't not, think
2: it's that close, but it's close enough.
3: It's not very far. It's no. maybe a mile, mile and a half. I
2: don't maybe. know if that does anything for anybody other than the team.
3: Yeah. All right. Craig Carton's going to join us next. Uh, he's working for FanDuel these days. We talked to him about the Super Bowl. That'll be our next story here. We'll do on Baskin and Phelps, and we're going to come back to this in the last hour of Baskin and Phelps too. Browns owners, 176 acres in Brook Park. Uh, sounds like it's all moving forward a little bit here. Not there yet, but it sounds like it's moving forward towards Brook Park. 216-474-0092. Baskin and Phelps, 92-3, the fan. two one six four seven four double O ninety two. 92 NBA trade deadline at 3 o'clock. Browns owners looking at 176 acres in Brook Park. Uh, the other big headline, we'll get back to your... Phone calls on that as we talk about perhaps the Browns uh, moving out to Brook Park from downtown in the near future here. So we'll get to that all in just a few moments. Right now, though, I want to go to the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. We all know the Super Bowl is Sunday. And Craig Carton, yep, the Craig Carton, uh, longtime broadcaster, outstanding broadcaster, as well also on FS1, also working for FanDuel. He's got a lot of things going on. But one of his... Titles right now is the FanDuel Responsible Gaming Ambassador. Woo! Craig, you got a lot going on, my man. How are you doing?
2: It's a lot, Craig.
7: It sounds like it. And hearing that sports update brought me back to 1992 when I was doing sports talk with, uh, with Mike Snyder on uh, 3WE. And Joe Kate was doing uh, Cavs games. And I have fond memories of my year in uh, Cleveland. And I was a season ticket holder in the dog pound back in the day. And uh, love the people of Cleveland and love the city. So I am busy, and uh, you yeah, know this time of year, obviously there's going to be a lot of people gambling on the Super Bowl that might otherwise not make a sports bet or any kind of bet all year. And because I was a knucklehead and went down a bad road, I'm in a pretty unique position to kind of share my experience and life story, maybe just to help someone else that is uh, about to make some bad decisions and help them avoid doing that.
2: Craig, that's an interesting combination. When when you were doing things, as you said, going down the wrong road, did you ever think I'm going to be hired as the responsible <laughs> gaming ambassador for FanDuel?
7: No, I, I did not. It's um, no, it came out of the blue, and it took about I would say like four to six months. We did a little dance together, making sure that you know they were reaching out to me for the right reasons, and that you know me deciding to make that decision to work with them would be received the right way. Because as you can imagine especially doing sports talk in New York for as long as I did it. And for you guys, you're being successful in Cleveland. There is a, a fair amount of skepticism about the relationship when we first started it. But now here we are, you know, three plus years later. And, and we're, we're really, I don't want to overstate it or be hyperbolic about it, but I can tell you that the people that do reach out to me wants to hear my story or listen to this uh, Saturday morning show. I do call Hello. My name is Craig. Would you reach out for help? And the reality is that there's still a lot of people that are going to have a problem. And I want to be clear, we're not doing these shows to scare anybody. The far majority of people that will gamble this weekend will do so responsibly and recreationally. And it'll be all good and they'll never have a problem. But for the percent of people that do have a problem, you know, they ruin lives. uh, Their own for sure. You know, and, you know, their best friends and family members who are kind of in harm's way. But to answer your question not in a million years, when I was going through what I went through, which was all self-inflicted pain, that I think that I'd have this opportunity, and I'm blessed to have it.
3: So, Craig, I'm assuming that most times when you talk to somebody who's got a gambling problem, they'll say, I don't have a problem. So do, yeah. do me a favor. As a guy who's on the other side right now, let's try to help even just one person who doesn't think they have the problem that might be. What are some of the signs that, that they need to know walking in, especially like a weekend like this, that, you know what, maybe I yeah. do have a problem and I need to call some of these responsible uh, hotlines or look into FanDuel's responsible gaming. Just what are some of the signs that people need to think about?
7: Yeah, so I think, you know, to, just to backtrack it for a second, what you said is right. You know, I'm not going to tell you I have a problem because uh, I don't want to admit that I have a problem. And myself included, most you know, compulsive gamblers are world-class liars and are going to look you dead in the eye and tell you that you have the problem. They don't. You know, one of the biggest changes in a person's lifestyle is how they socialize. You know, you take somebody who's like life of the party, outgoing, has tons of friends, you know, is on the social scene, et cetera, et cetera. And then all of a sudden you'll notice a compulsive gambler starting to withdraw and starting to become more of a loner and not want to get together and do all the social things that you guys or gals would, would do together. And if you know that person's gambling, that's a really good sign to at least pull the person aside and just have you know have a conversation about it. For the gambler themselves, you know, I've always said beating the addiction is not the hard part. Wanting to beat it is the hard part. And and that's for a myriad of reasons. Like, number one, you know, when you're gambling at the level I was gambling and when you have a compulsion problem, you become an egomaniac, right? And no one else can possibly understand how you process gambling and you just – You're the best handicapper in the world, and I was the best card player in the world. And you become an egomaniac who also lies to their teeth. So I think if you see any kind of fundamental change in just how a person interacts with, you know, their closest friends and family, it's worthy of a conversation. But on the addict side, the side, you know, that I I am on and was on, there's got to come a point where you just get tired of being tired you get tired of the rat race, of the running around, of, you know, trying to figure out where am I getting money from? When am I going to gamble? How am I going to do it? And if I can put or give you guys like a tangible example of what compulsive gambling looks like, I was hosting the most listened to morning show on Sports Talk Radio, you know, with Boomer Esiason for 10 years in New York City. And there's a morning where I woke up, you know, like 12, like midnight, I'm up and I was really bougie, I had a, I had my own personal driver and I had him come pick me up and I drove an hour and a half to a casino. I played blackjack for seven minutes. I got back in my car, the guy drove me back to work and had another hour and a half so that I wouldn't miss my show. So at midnight, no joke, I spent three hours on the road to play blackjack for seven minutes because I had to scratch that itch and then go do a radio show, a TV show. So it's it it can get that bad for sure, and hopefully shows like this will make someone at least take a moment to step back and go either a I might have a problem, or even more important than that, my brother's got a problem, my co-host has a problem, my buddy has a problem, and uh, hopefully you know that's that starts a good conversation to get somebody help.
2: Craig Carton joining us, Fanduel responsible gaming ambassador. Uh, Craig, you just laid out some some things that happened to you. Did you realize? While you were in that that you had a problem that needed help, or did it take the, the legal things that happened to you and, and sometime later for you to wow. come to grips with it?
7: It was it was it was a combination of things. Um, I, I knew that I wasn't gambling in a healthy manner for sure, and I just decided to, to ignore that. Like I was well aware that like like the story I just told you, that ain't normal. Right. You know, it's not normal to to have your mortgage on a blackjack table. Right. That's just, it's not healthy. It's not normal. And it's really, it's beyond that. It's crazy, really. Oh. Um, and for me, you know, the, 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 the thing for me, you know, the one question I haven't been able to answer yet, and I'm, I'm almost six years in without making a wager of any kind. So I do feel like I'm on a really good path now and I can live without gambling, but I'll never forget. I went to rehab and I went for all the wrong reasons because I was facing a criminal trial. I thought the judge would look kindly on me for for going to rehab, acknowledging, Maybe I've got a problem, and when I got home from rehab, the first thing I did, I took $30,000 to a casino near me, and I left 15 grand in the car, and I went into the casino to play blackjack, and the idea was, at some point, if I lose the money I walked in with, would I not go to my car knowing that there was cash there? I I tested myself. This is after rehab, after acknowledging, yeah, you guys are all right, I'm the idiot, I got a problem, and you can see where the story's going, I needed to split eights and double down on a hand. I didn't have the money to do it. And I went right out to the car. I got the rest of the cash, came back in. Over the course of a few hours, I lost it. And uh, that's the last time I ever made a wager. And I wish I could tell you what the epiphany was that made me wake up. And that's the unique part of recovery. You know, there's no rhyme or reason to when we decide, all right, today's the day I'm going to be real with you and honest with you and get the help I need and, I'm just blessed that I had that moment because you know, not every gambler does.
3: Craig, I'll also get me on the other side here too—that you can enjoy football without having to put a wager on it.
7: Yeah, for sure. Now, look, yeah, you know, I, I, you know, my bugaboo was blackjack, but obviously, I gambled hundreds of thousands of dollars on sports, and you know, I can watch a sporting event now uh, with no, you know, stake in the outcome of it at all. Like I'm a New York Jets fan, so. Emotionally. That's been a train wreck. But, I, you know, I, I can live and die emotionally with my team. I'm a Knicks fan, obviously. I'm a New Yorker. Um, but I can watch the Super Bowl without a vested interest while everyone around me has got a vested interest. And I'm just in a very good and safe place. And, you know, one of the things FanDuel has done to their credit, they've put tools in place for people who especially – you know, inexperienced gamblers who are just trying to get a feel for it and aren't quite sure about their ability to pick a game and how to do it and how much money. And the three things I always talk about, because they're just good things to use because they'll prevent you from hurting yourself. You could put time limits on your account, meaning, you know, the reality is that if you go to wager on one of those accounts, make your wager and get off, you shouldn't spend all day on FanDuel or any other account, number one. Number two, you can set in place before you ever make your first wager a deposit limit so that if you do put X amount of bucks in and you lose it all in one game, you can't go to your bank account just keep funding your account because you've protected yourself against that emotional reaction, and then wager limits. You know, if you've got a $500 account, you shouldn't be betting 400 bucks on a game. You know, so you kind of learn money management that way. And all those things are set up, which really, you know, counterintuitive to the business. They want your money, obviously, but the fact that they give you opportunities to be protected from yourself and from what, for most of us, is an emotional overreaction, not just to losing. You know, you lose a Sunday game at 4 o'clock, you chase it with a bad bet at Sunday night. And then you chase that bet, you know, the bad bet on Monday night. Well, the same also works when you win. You know, the majority of compulsive gamblers, you know, their first experience with gambling was a big win. And, you know, you win a big game, so what do you do? I'm going to bet more in the next game because I won the first game. So they have these great tools that allow you to, you know, slow and steady, figure out what you're good at, what you're not good at, you know, before you wind up waking up one day and there's no money in the bank.
3: Craig, last question, if anybody needs help or just uh, advice for the weekend, give them your last piece of wisdom.
7: Yeah, listen, if you need help, you know, talk to somebody. It doesn't have to be a professional, a counselor. It could be a mom, a dad, a brother, a friend. And just start having the conversation about what's going on and why you're feeling the way you're feeling. Obviously, you can go to the FanDuel site. They have plenty of uh, of links on their site for you to get help and read more about what you might be going through. And, look, it ain't easy, man. Who, nobody wants to admit that they're an addict or that they're weak or that they fell prey to something that was kind of out of their control. But if anyone listening to my voice now, you know, the reality of not picking up that phone and acknowledging that there's something going on and you might need help, you know, could very well be the loss of freedom. The suicide rate amongst gambling addicts is higher than drug addicts and alcoholics by far. And I can tell you from personal experience, we leave a wake of damage behind us, and it takes a long time to start rebuilding that. And if you could learn anything from my story, it ain't worth it. There's not a game you could bet on or a amount of money you could win that makes any of this worth it, and I have lived that,
3: sadly. Craig, I know it's not easy. Thank you for sharing your story with us today. And I, we really appreciate your time.
7: Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. I know you guys do a great entertaining show and having these types of conversations typically goes against most – you know, successful sports talk program. So it does mean a lot that you guys gave me a few minutes today. And keep killing it in and cleaving Cleveland. appreciate you.
3: Craig, thank you. You clearly haven't heard us because we're not very entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Craig. Craig, thanks a lot. <laughs> Take care, man. Yeah. We appreciate you. Thank you. Craig Carton sharing his story. Again, be responsible all weekend, especially this weekend, uh, when it comes to not only drinking and driving, but gambling and making sure you're staying within your limits. 216-474-0092. We'll get back into the hot story, plus we'll get you up to date on what's going on with the NBA trade deadline. Again, the Browns, 176 acres in Brook Park.
5: What is next? We'll talk about that next. Baskin and Phelps, ninety two three. the fan. Baskin and Phelps, 92.3 The Fan, the phone number 216-474-0092
3: or on X Twitter at CLE Talking Eds. Uh, Big story of the day, Browns owners, uh, the headline on NEO Trans Blog says Browns owners buying 176 acres in Brook Park. Um, The process is starting to do that, uh, especially if you read Daryl Ryder's uh, piece at 92.3TheFan.com. I'm going to get to your reaction in just one moment, again, 216 First, uh, let's get some updates on the NBA trade deadline, which is at 3 o'clock today. Here's Dan Menigan. Nice.
1: All right, so we've got two trades that have happened since the last time that we've done this, Of meaning one of them being the Charlotte Hornets who are trading P.J. Washington to Dallas for a package around Grant Williams, Seth Curry, and a first-round pick. We were taking this from Sham wow. Sharania of The Athletic. We did Woj earlier. We'll do Shams now. We're an equal opportunity person, place right? here. They
2: appreciate that. Yes, sure. you
1: know, the 31st and 32nd franchises.
2: Adrian and Shams. Normal names for guys. Of course.
3: Yes.
1: Interesting move for Dallas. Uh, Charlotte also I, receiving I like a 20 first-round pick.
2: I think P.J. is a really good young player. I like that for them. They also get a twenty twenty-seven first first-rounder.
1: That is correct. Okay. Top two protected. Hmm.
2: All right, next. So they're hoping for three. Was there one more move?
1: (laughs) Yeah, one more move as well. Brooklyn is finalizing a trade to send Royce O'Neal to Phoenix for, and uh, to quote Shams directly, salaries and three second round picks. To Quote Shams Sharania.
2: So I, I wonder if those are glazed, Andy, and do they have sprinkles? Are you done?
1: So I'll keep you up to date right. on which human beings are attached to said salaries.
2: If you read little rumors and everything leading up over the last month, Royce O'Neal was a guy who some folks thought might be a, an interesting pickup for the Cavaliers. Good all around solid player. Does a lot of the nitty gritty stuff. All right, let's go back to the other story right now. As I look at, uh, uh as I look at the
3: story by Daryl Ryder at 92, three, the com, He man, I got to tell you, Daryl goes the extra mile. Clearly took a drive over to where he thought, uh, the or he, where he knows where this land is and took a picture of where it is. So, <laughs> Daryl's got that picture right there on the website. Let us phone That's great. A general view of a portion of the land across from Hopkins International Airport that potentially could be the home to a new dome or stadium for the Cleveland Browns. Daryl Ryder took that picture. Man, that kid goes the extra mile. Holy moly. Is he a kid, though? Should I call him a kid? Is that bad? He's a kid to you. That's true, Um, and he's a good partner. And it's always game day in Cleveland. So again, read his story. Beautiful. uh, That the original story today, the first story that came out today that started uh, the the kind of the tornado on this thing. Neo Trans blog first reported it on the Haslam Sports Group. Uh, Possible purchase. I don't want to. I mean, I know the one headline says buying, uh, but it's
2: not. It's not there yet, is it, Jeff? Is it? I, I don't know. All uh, I've I don't seen, know I've not seen the word they have purchased, the words. Here, I'll, I'll use Daryl's words. We've I'll, seen they're in the process of finalizing.
3: Daryl's words are the Cleveland Browns are in the process of finalizing a purchase agreement for 176 acres of land near Hopkins International Airport. What does this all mean? Maybe the Browns are off the lakefront, and the stadium will be a thing of the past. It's interesting. There's a lot of, I mean, as Jeff and I have said throughout the day, there's a lot, if you're doing a, okay, do this, don't do this, man, there's a lot of checks on the side that says do this. And some are good for the city, I think, as well, too, because it would give them back the land to do something with the land where the stadium is right now.
2: Um, Can I, I, I don't mean to poo-poo anything. Sure. If we haven't developed the lakefront in all of this time, do you think getting the stadium back... And not having it sitting there by chance, if you you know tear it down, you at that point you still have to put together a great big plan and fund it and everything else. Well, it gives city leaders the opportunity, it and gives the, creativity, them the opportunity. That's true. The
3: creativity to you know make a statement that could last for lifetimes and generations that would be sitting there in you know city council and the mayor's office right now.
2: Because What that, are you going to do with that? But, but Andy, the one thing about it is, and, and though it's right there at the end of East 9th Street, there's a lot of other lakefront property that's been sitting there forever. It's I not, agree. It's not like our city officials have jumped all over it. Yes, let's develop this. because Well, the stadium
3: is right. I mean, when you look at the city, yeah, it's right in the middle, and it would block anything that you're trying to do if you're trying to do something.
2: So is the airport. There's so much lakefront it shouldn't, the, the entire talk of developing the lakefront shouldn't be limited to the space a stadium sits on. I'm just saying, I, I, I agree with you, next to the Science Center and then having the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame on the other side, there's an opportunity to continue that and, and do some things. But we have an awful lot of lakefront that has been awfully neglected for many, many years. Is it neglected? It's I mean,
3: it's being used, Jeff. It's just not being used in a gigantic public
2: uh, space. It's not. I mean, the airport that takes up well, a lot Andy, of land. There's, there's, a, nothing whole, going there's on a whole there. lot of lakefront. How, how many times do we go down? Does anybody go down to the lakefront because there's really cool stuff there on any part of it? Edgewater. That's it. Okay. And what is it actually there? A lakefront. <laughs>
5: yeah.
3: Well, it's a park.
1: I, I mean, yeah. I,
2: I know, but there's no development there. It's wonderful that it's there. Let's let's. I mean, that's that's Whoa. wonderful. However, all I'm saying is. If you don't have the stadium there, there's no guarantee that there's going to be lakefront development that absolutely booms because we've had a hell of a lot of lakefront for a hell of a long time in this town, and it's still sitting there like, oh, look, water.
3: Yeah, I just, I, Jeff, I, I disagree a little bit.
2: I mean, I think that
3: if you're creative and you want to figure out a way to try to bring development down to the lakefront, that with the stadium not being there, the opportunity is there that wasn't there before. And I do think that that is a major piece of. Of the lakefront, because I mean, what do you have? You have homes in Bratenahl, so they can do what they want, and that's also another city. Then what's next to that? Uh, the Coast Guard, the Coast Guard stations over there. There's there's military stuff over there. Okay, well maybe that could be developed. I don't know, but the government would have to give. But that you just up. you just now talked about in, creativity.
2: In. That's one thing we've not seen out of Cleveland politicians when it comes to the lakefront. Yeah, that, just, that's all I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, I'm just. I mean, of, it's real clear.
3: Well, I'm just I'm I'm thinking about you know just driving it from the east side. Then you have you know there's another little park there where I see a lot of people fishing on the rocks every once in a while. Um, you have uh, docks for boats, and then you have the airport. And then you know we have the school there, the aviation school there. That's that's just a building now. Um, and then you have the airport, and then you have you know a nice little development there with Boinovich Park, and then you got the stadium, and then you got shipping on the other side of that. I just it, it, you know, you, you've got to move out what's
2: there, and I think part of that initial process of moving out what's
3: there would be the stadium.
2: And it just but the, Andy, even what you just all laid out, there's a lot more to the lakefront in the city of Cleveland than that. I mean, there's, we have a ton of lakefront, and we just haven't put it to use. So maybe if if they if they build a new stadium somewhere else, and the stadium gets torn down, maybe that spurs the whole thing. That gotcha. would be that would be swell. Senior correspondent Ed, go ahead, senior correspondent Ed.
17: Uh, you know, you're, you're. Hey, by the way, hello. Yeah, I am. So anyway, right. the, you know, I'm sure the port of Cleveland and all the industries that benefit from our shipping us would have something to say about developing a lakefront there. But I drive by the the proposed purchase area every day, and you know, I worked in the casting plant there that they took down and engine plant number two. Right. And so I believe, while it's an attractive lot of land, and someone said, you know, Patriot Place kind of stuff, I believe it's a negotiating ploy because they can, they just put up a, like an Amazon warehouse thing, at, yep. you know, by the airport side. There's, there are so, a couple you know, of big things those, that have gone
2: in there, Ed, right?
17: Well, no, they also, right now it's just a warehouse, you yep. know, but... They still got a big plant to take down. They still got the plant on Brook Park Road. Yeah, they're talking I mean, two
3: of the three plants to make this happen.
17: Yeah, well, you know, and 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 I think it's a big negotiating ploy because then they can say, hey, you know, City of Cleveland, what are we going to do? What can we do? Blah blah blah. Because they can always put more Amazon type warehousing there and all that. You know, they bought land. It's not going. But I mean, yeah, it's it's probably if they put a stadium there a $2 billion thing because there's no restaurants. There's, you know, the other side of Engel road is just small, you know, businesses. Yeah. And, and that's, there's nothing there now, yeah. you know, I mean, it's great location wise and all that stuff, but I think it's, I think it's more of a, you know, he, he settled his case with, you know, Warren Buffett. So maybe they got some more cash and they go, well, let's do this. Cause they can always sell it. You know, that's, that's what sure. I believe. That's and true so too. before everyone gets excited about, you know, hotels and all that kind of stuff there. You know, I I believe that in the end, it's a big negotiating ploy. They have, if they do buy it, they have real estate that can be developed because they've been cleaning that thing up. You know, and you. in the summer of 76, I sat there and worked at the casting plant for 10 hours and had all kinds of stuff in my nose, you know, stuff like that. You but liked hey, it.
3: Yeah. Thank you, senior correspondent Ed. You got to sign up.
17: So, yeah. oh, yeah. How's it going? Oh, for Baskin and Phelps, I'm senior correspondent. The voice of reason. Okay.
3: Have a great day. I don't know. I got a feeling he's wrong.
17: We'll get more of your reaction right after this.
3: 216-474-0092. That's right. 216-474-0092.
9: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe.
0: Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.